Hi, this is Time Capsule, episode 397, and you're listening to Sci-Fi Talk, the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. For All Mankind started season four recently, and here is one of the showrunners and executive producers, Ronald D. Moore. Ron, one of the things I liked about this season so far is the upstairs-downstairs angle. We talk about doing that, and why did you all feel that was important to include that into the series? Uh, we thought it was a really interesting aspect of, you know, what would really happen as you started to expand, uh, you know, the Martian base, you know, that not everyone up there was there just as an astronaut, you know, that you started bringing up more civilians and that they would have come up for, for different reasons. And for some of them, it's just a job and a way to, to sort of, you know, make money for their families. And it was interesting to then put those people together and see what the, the, the conflicts would be between the miners and the astronauts and the the, the, the sort of social interaction between the two of them and, you know, realizing how different people are paid and, you know, how money was, was starting to, to come into the, to, into, uh, uh, into space, you know, in a real way. Um, and it felt like it was about things that were happening today. Cause you know, now we have several private space companies that are entering into, in, in, in into this world and well, how are they going to interact with each other? And once we start doing things like having bases, how is that all going to, going to work? And it just felt like a really interesting story to tell. I really also liked the, um, the different countries and, and levels of the, of the, uh, of the, of, happy valley yeah you know the even the underground kind of like the black market side of things uh i added a lot of layers from the original hey let's survive kind of thing yeah i thought that was an interesting to sort of see that evolve and develop and i think the you know the the evolution of the martian uh, base and its society is is one of the one of the things i think really was is, is is a great aspect of this season look for all mankind on apple tv plus there's more Time Capsule in a moment. We look back at 12 Monkeys with co-showrunner Travis Fickett at a press line at San Diego Comic-Con. Hey, how are you, man? Yes, yes, we saw each other in New York. Yeah, how are you? Good, good, man. I'll tell you, what a ballsy first season. Oh, really? It was really fantastic. Good, good. I mean, the keys could have been a season finale. Yeah, we had a few of those towards yeah. the end. Yeah. So what, uh, what kind of tricks do you have coming up? You know, no spoilers, but for season two. Um, more time travel? Um, that's not a generic statement. I mean, in terms of, like, uh, traveling further back, um, people traveling together this time. Um, and um, a bigger conspiracy than we even saw in the first season. So it's uh, it's actually a lot more challenging what they're going to have to face. Um, and there's actually more at stake than there was in the first season. So, yeah. There's several relationships on the show that are very strong. Uh, I mean, obviously Cassandra and Cole, it's very strong. Uh, there's going to be some evolution, obviously, this season for them as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, they they um they're in an interesting place because uh, they have different approaches to how they how they do things. And this season, what's uh, really exciting for us is that Amanda, our cast.
Tallahassee is um, a much more active role in the mission. Um, you know, she's going to be in the future. She's going to have changed a little bit where she is an equal partner to Cole. She's not a, a you know, temporarily stranded character like she was in season one where she just was waiting for Cole to come in and out of her life. In fact, and sometimes she's going to come in and out of his. Um, so that's a fun, you know, flip for us. Uh, but no, they are, they are going to have a, a tremendous transformation of their relationship. You can actually still catch 12 Monkeys. It's on Apple TV, YouTube, and Google Play. There might be a fee, so just remember that. Remember Sanctuary? Amanda Tapping told me at San Diego Comic-Con about what was ahead for season four. Sadly, that turned out to be their last. It was just like, season two was good, but I was watching three and I go, that's the sanctuary. I fell in love. Yeah, and wait till four. Oh, yeah, yeah, give us a little clue. Yeah, four, I mean, I think, uh, it always sounds trite as an actor when you say, it's our best season ever. (laughs) But I really think it is. Like, I think every year we sort of step up to the plate with a different perspective and how we're going to try to go into the show. We understand the technology so much better. And, um, you know, we started with Tempest, which is an episode that takes place in Victorian era England and it's massive in scope and we shot it all in the studio with rain pouring down on us full costume it was beautiful absolutely beautiful and we sort of never stopped from there you know it's just kept going to the musical episode which is very outside the box but I'm super excited about it it's like uh, very organic it's not glee by any stretch of the imagination it's not like we suddenly break out into song it really it fits in with the story and in fact Damien was very adamant that we not focus on the singing so much as the acting right just tell the story is more important than hitting the notes but hit the notes you can view Sanctuary on Pluto TV, which is free, but there's commercials. The Roku channel and also Voodoo, also free. Speaking of remembering here from San Diego Comic-Con is the late, great Kevin Conroy talking about Batman the Killing Joke. Well, it gives me more room to explore things I hadn't explored before. And to be honest with you, when we were recording it, I looked at the script and I thought, there's no way this is going to stay the way it is. They're going to have to change this somewhere along the line. Uh, And they said, well, just go with it. We're just going to record this and we'll work it out. And then I found out later on what they worked out was the rating. They kept everything we did. And they decided, look, this isn't for kids. This is going to be for adults. Mark, the wonderful thing about Mark is he is a stage actor. And there's a difference about people whose background is in the stage. You, you know to approach a character from the inside out. You really have to inhabit the character on a stage. And he approaches Joker not as a, a funny voice or a crazy voice. He really gets at him from the inside. He approaches him from the inside. And I wish you could see him behind the mic because he becomes that character. He devours the microphone. I mean, he his whole face transforms. It's a wonderful thing to watch. And I've always approached Batman from that, that same perspective. To me, it's it's not just a you know a dark, dirty sound. It's 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 everything that happened to him as a child. It's all of that that pain. That's what you've got to hear in his voice. Uh, that's where that sound comes from. And so we both we really have an appreciation for each other the way each other works and 
and um, I think we I think we bring the best out of each other. I really do. Of course, that's available on DVD. I hope uh, you all have it in your collection. Larry Cohen told me about creating the classic series, The Invaders. I like the, the concept. The, the whole, uh, I mean, you had to create like ground rules. I mean, how did you, I mean, they took human form. And one of the things I liked is they didn't get the uh, hands just right. You know, and they had, we had to have yeah. kind of uh, uh, identifiable feature. And I thought of Alfred Hitchcock's movie, The 39 Steps, in which the main villain turned out to have a missing digit on his pinky finger. There. Oh, there you go. The pinky was missing. And you didn't know he was the bad guy until the camera zoomed in on his hand. And there was the missing pinky. You know, oh, my God. The hero has walked into the clutches of the real head of the spy ring. So I said, well, you know, why not I take, borrow that from Hitchcock? And, and instead of a missing finger, which would be too obvious, we'll make it a withered finger or an inoperable finger so that they haven't perfected the full transition to humanity and uh, something that David Vincent can look for. And then, of course, they came up with the idea that they would burn up when they died. I'd love that. They wouldn't have anything to autopsy or any proof that they'd ever existed. And I, I came up with the idea of the regeneration chambers that they'd have to return to regularly to give them the, some limitations. So the so the uh, invaders weren't omnipotent. They they had vulnerability. You know, if you could keep them away from their regeneration chamber long enough, they would they would revert to their other form and they would die. Mm -hmm. And then we came up with the idea of the disc, which would which was one of their principal weapons, which they could induce heart attacks. Uh, on their victims so it would look like they died of natural causes. I was very happy with some of the episodes, particularly the one where uh, uh, Michael Rennie, oh, yeah. the invaders, because he was one of my favorites from being in The Day the Earth Stood Still. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, Robert Wise's great science oh, fiction man. movie. I got a tremendous kick out of having Michael Rennie in the show. The Invaders is on YouTube. Again, there might be a fee or subscription. Director Neil Jordan did his second vampire film in Byzantium. His first was Interview with the Vampire. I think you use it as a way to comment on our humanity, or maybe our lack of humanity. Well, I mean, the interesting, well, you know, what's, you know, if you take away the fact that they can, may or may not be able to fly, they may or not have superpowers or whatever. I mean, the, main, the the interesting thing is that they, you know, they consume other people's lives and they live forever. You know what I mean? They're, so that those, if you, I've been lucky enough on Interview with the Vampire, the movie was about that. You know, how do you deal with eternity? You yeah. Know, the brilliant thing that Anne Rice wrote, you know. And in a way, this is similar. You know, how do you deal with eternity? You know, particularly if your mother never lets you finish your schooling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, they're interesting questions, you know, and in a strange way, when you deal with, when you examine the question of what it means, what, what would it mean to live forever? We, we know it's an impossibility. You kind of do examine the question of what does it mean to live at all? Or what does it even mean to spend a day or a life, you know, a lifetime? Mm. You know? Yeah, yeah. And one thing I think you handle extremely well are the period piece uh, segments. I thought uh, you did so well in Vampire and, and certainly uh, with this one as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, it gave me the opportunity to... You know, I mean, that's one of the one of the things that really drew me to the screenplay was the fact that half of it was in the present and half of it was in the past. Yeah, yeah. And it gives that wonderful. I mean, what was lovely was uh, shooting the um, shooting the the uh, the seaside town. Oh know, yeah. And recreating it as it would have been in the 18th century. 
I mean, the town we used is a town called Hastings. Mm. Oh, yeah. And it's just down the road from a, from another town called Margate, where, you know, Turner, the, the W.M. Turner, the, the great English painter? Yes, yes. Yeah, he painted all these amazing seascapes there. Oh, you know? cool. And you look at it and you see this kind of, this kind of, uh, beauty of the kind of, you know, of the uh, coastline. Um, you look at it now, it's full of all these crappy hotels and houses and all that. <laughs> you know, so that kind of strange sense of loss that you get when you imagine what the past must have been like, you know. Mm, so I rather do know. Grim and forbidding present, you know. That yeah. It enabled me to, uh, to examine that, you know. Mm. Visually, uh, there are so many cool things. When, when It's in the trailer and what stands out is when Gemma's in the waterfall with the blood. That is just so cool. That was really neat. Um, was that something that, uh, I mean, was that something you wanted to incorporate that into the, into the film? Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. That was, some, that was something that actually just came up. Uh, she, in, in the screenplay, she had written, you get turned into a vampire by going to Asia Minor, you know, Istanbul yeah. or somewhere in modern day Turkey. Mm. You know, when you, you kind of go through an ancient Abyssinian graveyard or something like that, and something strange happens with a, with a snake that has dropped out of an eagle's claws. It's, it was interesting, but kind of impossible to stage. Yeah. You know, so that, I mean, that, I said tomorrow, let's, let's, let's situate it in, our, in the west of Ireland, because there are these magical islands off the southwest coast. Mm. These very early Christian kind of, uh, ruins, which, you know, seem like almost pagan ruins. They're so old, you know. Mm. You know, so I came up with that. They, they rode to an island that would be high hut, a strange stone hut. And, you know, there was this magnificent waterfall there. And uh, we decided, okay, that's part of the... It, it, as you are turned into a vampire, the waterfall itself turns red. So it was kind of, a, you know, that, that imagery just grew, really, you know. Yeah, that was awesome. That was really a really incredible scene, and she just did it so well. You can actually see her transformation occurring. It was really neat. Time Capsule Episode 397 returns in a moment. I think if you look back at Interview with a Vampire, I think one of the things that really stood out to me is the performance you got out of Kirsten Dunst to literally play a little girl to a little girl in a woman's body, to get her to do that, that was pretty amazing. Well, she was a little girl. Yeah. You know, and she was a little girl, but she was a fully formed actress, believe me. You mm. know? Yeah. And she was, uh, she was almost like, it was almost like with this fully formed sensibility in this tiny little girl's body, you know? And it was remarkable. It was. Um, but it's strange. Then, then she made all these kind of teen movies, didn't she? She grew up. Yeah. Very strange. She seemed, she seemed to become younger than she had been in Interview the Vampire somehow. Yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Until it, I saw her. Did you see her in, in, um, that, uh, Lars von Trier movie? I did see her in that, and, and that was, that was great. And, oh, and, I thought she was incredible in that. Yeah, she really was. And I liked her in Upside Down, too. That was pretty good, too. Oh, I never saw that. Yeah, that, that was pretty neat. That was pretty cool mm. to see her in that. So she's she's got a lot of good work ahead of her, no doubt about it. Mm. And, and do you have anything that you're planning coming up? Yes, I'm trying to make a ghost story. Oh, good, yeah. good. Yeah, I am. I've written one, and I'm trying to get the money. I'm trying to make it before uh, before I before the end of the year, but I'm not sure if I, I'll succeed as yes. Byzantium can be seen for free on Tubi Plex and on AMC Plus with a subscription. 
Let's give the witches equal time with Brandon Braga and Janet Montgomery on the series Salem as they talk season three. The devil, uh, devil's handmaidens did what he, what he wanted, which was to bring him back on, onto the earth. Uh, and uh, but he turns out he he is a, he's a liar, and everything that he promised. Mary Sibley and the others, uh, freedom from oppression and hypocrisy and a world where everyone could be free uh, was a total line of bullshit. In fact, what he really wants to do is destroy humankind, God's greatest creation, as a revenge against God, his father. And uh, kind of a, a, a Milton-esque take on it. And the only person who can really destroy him is the one who brought him back, and that's his mother, and his mother's dead. Um, and that's kind of where the first five minutes of the season starts, and we kind of goes from there. Here's Janet Montgomery and Brandon Braga talking season three and what's in store for Mary Sibley. I mean, it was a much more physical season for me. And, you know, come, we, we played on the idea that there had to be a change with Mary coming back from the dead. Uh, and so I think... I think we got that. I'm, I'm not going to tell you too much, but I think, you know, going through what she went through, you know, and everything she went through at the end of season two, losing everything, I mean, she's very different this season. So totally. I think she's she's more matured, and I think she... Evolved. She's evolved, and things don't phase her as much as they would. There's a real strength to Mary this season. Mary's ordeal is not over. There's... Uh, Killing, destroying the devil, as it turns out, is really hard and has perilous consequences if you are to even try. And Mary is in the thick of it. Um, and, and, you know, this comes, she's just back from the dead. It's not like she has her a lot of power. So she's going to have to kind of rediscover her her true power. And, and, and the John part of it is... You know, the love between John and Mary is still the driving force. It's really the heartbeat of the show, the, really the Mary is. John, the Mary John story, and I think it's what he what he means to Mary and what, how much it changed her from him coming back at the beginning of season one and what they've gone through together. I think has made her evolve the way she has. They both comment on the most interesting part of the season, and the devil does play a large part. No, I just, I, I've always feel like, I always feel scared to answer that in case I like give a... Don't worry about it, you have an answer. Okay, well you, you answer first and then I'll think of what I can, what I can say. Okay, so I think that probably the most interesting part of this season is even though my son is the devil now, he looks like my son, which is obviously confusing and difficult, but also he's not, he doesn't hate Mary or want to kill Mary. He wants, he wants Mary by his side, which sort of humanizes the devil somewhat. So he's still... Even he's looking for love. Even he's looking for he's love. A, exactly. mother's, a mother's love. Even if it's in case. But, you know, of course, he intends to marry his mother and have kids with his mother. Of course. But that's... <laughs> Everyone you know. knows. <laughs> if there's one key word this season, it's manipulation. I, I think there's a lot of manipulation this season, and I think what what's great is you never really know what side Mary's on. 
throughout the season. You don't know really where she's where she's at because even it's sort of concealed from the audience. Like in well, she also in season one and in season two, yeah. she had her armor, which was you know she was rich. She had George Sibley. She was the leader of the town. She had the the clothes and everything. This season she doesn't have those weapons. So she becomes a prisoner in her own mansion. Um, the season has kind of a gothic thriller aspect to it. And, um, and I, there's an interesting love triangle that develops with, between Mary and another character. So Mar the, John and Mary's love will be put to, really put to the ultimate test. Because um, what, what's nice about coming into this season, they've professed their love, finally. Even in, although it was in death. Uh, a la Romeo and Juliet. So it, it's it's a different. They're coming from a different place. It's 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 interesting. Salem can be viewed on YouTube, Google Play Movies and TV, and Apple TV for subscription and fees. But you can subscribe for absolutely free by clicking on the show notes for Sci-Fi Talk Plus. It features longer uncensored episodes and special programs, all for free. This is Time Capsule, episode 397. I'm Tony Talon.